Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hello, today on the podcast, I speak with Hugo Fry. Hugo is the Managing Director and the Country Chair of Sanofi, uh, the pharmaceutical giant in the UK and Ireland. Uh, he's also been a client of mine on a number of occasions, and I know for a fact that he is an ambitious, visionary, and highly successful leader. Today, what we're going to get into is really understanding the journey of how Hugo was able to repeatedly identify incredibly promising and disruptive career opportunities and was able to seize those and multiply his impact as a result. We also get into uh, his technique, which I call prove, celebrate and scale, that he's been able to use repeatedly to create behavior change and cultural transformation in his different organizations. And finally, we look at the question of speed. How, when you're a leader and you want to go fast and you're visionary and you want to go at 100 miles an hour, how do you slow it down enough to bring the people with you? So sit back and enjoy this conversation that I have with Hugo Fry. Hello, Hugo. Hi, Richard. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you. No, pleasure to to do it. I always like our discussions, so why not record it and share them? <laughs> well, exactly. So yeah, this is this is great because you know we've worked together. You know, obviously, um, over several years now, we've done several bits of work together with you individually and with your team. So it's great just to perhaps step back and um, on the podcast reflect a little bit, step back, reflect about what's that journey been like for you, and and where's it going. Uh, as you know, this is a series around, I call it CEO success formulae. So I'm really trying to dive into high performers, um, people who are running businesses, and see what's it been that's made them successful. And and there's always another level. So that's the second part of the equation. It's like, where do you go once you're there, right? Once you've run, the, you know, you're running a, a, a huge business with, with Sanofi. So before we get into that, do you want to just give us a quick... You know, for those of those of us who don't know you, um, you know, a one or two minute elevator pitch about what's been your, you know, what's your kind of your bio? What's, you know, what have been the steps in the journey to get to where you are now um, as MD of uh, Sanofi in the UK? Yeah, so uh, I am a 27 year product of the life sciences and pharmaceutical industry. Uh, but I've been lucky enough to do some of the most diverse roles I've worked across commercial operations, strategic positions, research and development, manufacturing. I've worked uh, all around Europe, in France, in the UK, in Germany. I've worked in Russia in emerging markets. Uh, I've worked in the US and, and traveled around the world. So the breadth that this industry is able to give me has, has really kept me stimulated over all that time. And uh, I find it very exciting. The other bit is 
being at the cutting edge. I've always been in companies that have tried to innovate or in positions at the innovation end of things. And I find that uh, very exciting, very stimulating. And uh, at the end of the day, I've always gone into this industry. And when I first came, and it's still true now, that that innovation goes to help people's lives, populations through mass vaccination or rare diseases and patients with uh, chronic conditions. And uh, that still excites me today and as it did uh, 27 years ago when I came into the industry. Yeah, that's, it's, that's great. I mean, I remember, you know, as we've talked in the past, looking at you know, parts of this story when you've been, you know, running joint ventures, a lot of moving parts and a lot of things to build um, from, from nothing, in, you know, in some cases, uh, and other times taking on existing franchises and kind of uh, just getting them up. And I've definitely see that kind of pioneering, you know, let's take new ground kind of spirit in you, right? I think you, you enjoy that. Very, very much so. So I remember... Um, quite early on in my career, I was asked to to go from, you know, the stable environment of, of the UK to emerging Eastern European markets. So in the late 90s, I were talking mm. Romania, Bulgaria, Serbia, the Baltic states, countries like that. And, and that really excited me. And, and I've been excited by those new kinds of challenges. Uh, mm. I remember when I was in the Baltic states, took over, there was a handful maximum of people by the time I left, there was 50 people and the company I was working for had moved in, in Latvia to the number two uh, pharmaceutical company in that market. And that pioneering stuff where I was literally taking the registration files for new products by hand down to the office myself, yeah. it, was, it was really exciting. And I think that, that kind of marked me going forward. And so I've always sought out positions and done well in positions where, you know, there's a bit of disruption uh, required. Um, there's a bit of crisis management, a bit of transformation, rather than you know steady the ship and keep it going. Mm. I'm, I'm more on the disruptive end of, of things and the transformational end of things. Yeah, so we're getting into this question about success factors, right? And so what I'm picking up is this is perhaps one of the you know the secret sauce for you, which is searching out those opportunities where there are many pieces up in the air, if you like, in opportunities, it's not a steady state. Um, are there, what are the other kind of factors you would say that you've kind of come back to in creating the impact that you've had? I think one of the ones I always come back to is uh, um, a, a sense of purpose and shared objectives. I think if, if people understand why they're doing um, something, mm. They're, they're more likely to do it and you can unlock their potential and then they can just go for it because you, you, you either you um, employ talent with potential or even if you employ the finished article, if you give those people um, enough development or uh, enough vision and objectives that they'll get on and do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously you manage people with talent and potential slightly different to the finished article, but if all those people have a shared vision and shared objectives, yeah, I think mm -hmm. you're going to get there. And that's the one that's always, I always find myself coming back to, do we have this shared set of objectives? Are we working across purposes? Are we aligned enough in terms of what we're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. Or is that different? And I keep coming back to that one. And often if things aren't going, going quite right, I see that actually, no, we're, the objectives aren't quite in line. They're not mm -hmm. quite together. 
Yeah, that reminds me of um, that question about alignment, I think sounds uh, you know, around a vision. It reminds me, I, I did a presentation, um, I talked about, often we talk about we need strategy and execution, but actually we probably need more of alignment and leadership, <laughs> um, you know, because you have the strategy, but actually if people aren't aligned, if they don't even understand it or know it or really get it, mm. um, then it's very hard to kind of move people forward and execute. Um, so, yes, I love that. So you've got this kind of disruptive, transformational, like finding these opportunities where mm. there is kind of opportunity. And then you've got this kind of vision and understanding that you'd bring. Is this an, another factor that you'd add into that mix of? of yeah, I, I think I think examples are great. So you find examples in your organization, be it, you know, often we talk about doing pilots. And if the pilots work, leap on it, go for it. Mm. But, it but throughout, find... Uh, find stories of success and build on success. You know, yeah. I, I often find people spend too much time beating them, be it, be it beating themselves over, up over something that didn't go right. Yeah. Or, or even in your own personal uh, development, looking to kind of try and correct something that, you know, maybe is a blind spot or weakness, but actually find building on success uh, yeah. so successful. So, Finding something that's going right, celebrating it, doing more of it, uh, finding a strength in your organization or your products or what you're trying to achieve and, and, and unlocking that for a broader, broader spectrum of things. It's an example of like an example when you've when you've done that, when you're able to really find uh, something that was embryonic or was it was an example and being able to kind of really celebrate and um, you know, create that as a. As a, as a model for others yeah I'll, I'll you know our industry in um in kind of the the going coming out of the 90s you know before that it was a bit of an arms race and you know you'd have massive sales forces going out there and you know i've got more bigger sales force than you and you 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 know it was a real it was real numbers um send them over the top sort of stuff <laughs> okay uh, and uh, i think then we started getting more sophisticated about targeting uh organizations uh, about individuals about segmenting them and i remember that uh, we were building something around behavioral segmentation you know understanding tailoring messages and products and things to specific behavioral traits mm. of, of um, potential customers. And that, that really worked. And uh, I found a, a group in the organization, it was in, in, a, in, the, in the diabetes uh, arm of our organization who really embraced this. And there were a lot of skeptics around that at the time saying, you know, still looking at what's our share of voice and right. things like that. And we managed to build a model and measure it around the success absolutely intrinsic success about when we we took our control group versus those that were properly segmented by behavior and adapting our messages right. and the way we talked to those and and the six difference in success was paramount and then we could go around showing people and say look at the, what success and then of course everybody wanted to adopt it right. yeah. uh, and right. and then that moved the needle quite a lot and mm. it's quite exciting yeah, no, that's really nice. So you're actually doing it on a, a small scale, but getting the data yeah. to actually prove it out. What's been the, um, so obviously, uh, you know, when we have, um, you know, when we um, 
how about these set of gifts that we use and these, these set of strategies? Yeah, there's often a, you know, the, the dark side that comes along with it, right? There's a, often a, something we have to overcome in our own, in our own leadership style, perhaps, to really get the best out of the people around us. You know, what have you, you know, what's your story been on that? You know, where, where have you found you've had to make, you know, do some learning on the journey in particular? I think that the learning comes from um, when, when you've done a, a broad set of jobs like our in, in multicultures and things like that, sometimes, you know, you can jump ahead and, and see a solution, see the pathway there. Uh, and the great danger when you, when you see that or you do that is that um, you forget that not everyone sees that pathway and that right. way forward. Yeah. Uh, and you don't spend enough time plotting that pathway forward with the team because it's it's absolutely worthless if you're you're charging on ahead on your own yeah. and, and and the team and and people aren't coming with you. Yeah. So actually, I think if I was to summarise that, you know, sometimes going a little bit slower is faster. Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's checklist for challenging times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's such a hard one. You know, um, uh, you remember in some of the workshops we've done, you know, with, with your team, you know, we've talked about this. It's like those of us who want to go at 100 miles an hour, those who want to go at yeah, 30 miles an hour. Mm. And probably you can go at 50, which is like, mm. feels terribly slow for those of us who want to go at 100. But mm. for those who want to go at 30, because they really want to make sure everything's in place, we're not going to screw up, we're not going to, you know, uh, trip over things, wait, you know, burn through resources, hurt on people. For, though, for them, it feels almost like totally out of control. And it's that dynamic often, which, um, yeah, I think organizations really struggle with, right? Because the leaders who see it, they're like, I know where we need to go, but they're probably missing some things as well that the other people are going to spot along the journey. So it's trying to find that. Yeah, that that, that understanding of what I'm comfortable with can make other people feel uncomfortable because they're right on the edge or Mm. whatever. And, you know, there's no particular reason. That doesn't mean it's wrong or right or things. It's just the way it is because... They see things and you, you just have to be aware, aware of that. And, uh, you know, and I still have to check myself. And I don't get it right all the time every day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I'm laughing because I'm, you know, I, I, I see that in myself as well. Right. And, um, you know, it's um, it's just that balance right between, you know, you can when you kind of see the main strategic thrust, then the visionaries have got their coats on and they're ready to go out the door. The people who are seeing the operational obstacles you know, need more time and say it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing because you, you're getting that extra perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that can be, uh, it's, it's, I think you never quite break that, never quite leave that behind. You're always having to think about it and thinking mm-hmm. what's my speed, speed, what's my pace around this. Let's kind of jump into um, 
talking about um, um, let's talk about habits and uh, you know as you know one of the impact multipliers that um, that I often speak about is mastering transformation right which is basically that you you know that when you come up with a new goal a new um, ambition there's normally a shift in habits and disciplines that either you need to take on board or your team or your organization needs to do right the, the daily life starts to change in some way um and um we can talk about that either from the lens of personal habits um you know what you what you found have kind of contributed to your success or we can talk about you know building new habits and you and your team i'm just going to you know what comes to mind when i talk about this question of of habit formation and and transformation yeah so uh i think it comes back down to finding what works if you can find what works and demonstrates it in transformation then then people will have more confidence doing it and then enter into the habit of doing it mm. until there's proof you won't get most people coming with you yeah you have to you have to so you have to plot that out you know and anyone who's done way more change management than i have will understand the the theory behind it better than i do but but when i think about absolutely finding the proof points of success mm. and then taking that forward with a wider organization and then create the habits around around doing that and mm. that that could be in anything i think um we we've learned good habits um albeit forced upon us by the pandemic mm-hmm. um one of the great habits i've now learned is more regular broader communication which explains right. which makes you say right why aren't we going into the office what other methods are we using to communicate what other uh, tools are we adopting and and so and and the level of engagement is really really high when you do that mm. uh, and you know we were getting uh, eight, 900 people on on our regular calls direct with everyone in the in right. in the organization whereas on a normal even quarterly town hall mm. we'd maybe get 4 500 uh, and so the level of engagement was much higher but and and it didn't wane and and so you find self explaining so that value in transformation of taking people through it regular communication mm. doing lots of q and a's and i think to myself actually you know why haven't I been doing that before? Why did it take this pandemic mm. and this massive transformation yeah. upon us to do that? And it is really a real learning. Well, what I'm hearing there is there's like also this immediate positive feedback loop in that example, mm. right? So you like you do this town hall because you think, what are we going to do? And then suddenly everyone turns up and everyone's hugely engaged and you go, well, that was worth doing. I'm going to do it again. And I think no matter what the habits are, trying to find you know what is that immediate satisfaction now obviously some habits are harder to spot that right because you're building for a long-term result um, in which case obviously the proof points help you kind of feel good about it but I think it's really also important um, whatever it is is to like even if it's just that you give yourself a mini fist pump at the end of it you know um, at the end of doing something that you know is important like you know I've I've done my you know 
10 sales calls for the day or whatever you know it's it's like you've got to actually celebrate that moment um but i think the, the what you know you're saying as well is that it's when you identify things which obviously are working then it's a great mechanism like, like the town hall it's a great that's really simple well not simple but um it becomes very easy to do more of that right because yeah. you're getting the bonus and then if you think of other things uh uh digital transformation so our industry is going through a big digital transformation mm. that again the pandemic has accelerated which i'm sure is the case for many other industries as well yeah, all over. But, mm. but you know we have lots of people out in the field be it for medical and scientific reasons be it for clinical studies be it for sales calls and other reasons who who spend a lot of time face to face with customers now obviously mm. that 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 stopped mm. in most cases with a few respites uh, but we've transformed into digital ways of interacting with our customers and very quickly we'll be able to we've been able to demonstrate the the value of that and some real success stories and then sharing those success stories across the organization means adoption has been that much quicker. Mm. And that's a transformation in itself. And again, it comes back to this idea of finding a group or an individual or, or an area of success, yeah. show demonstrating that success, sharing it across the organization so that the adoption can be there. And then yeah, it's really this, there. it's really like, yeah, it's this, it's, um, it's really fascinating. It's story you know, it's story led, it's, you know, it's telling the stories of success, which are then going to create a culture change or a habit change yeah. uh, on a wider scale. And especially if you can even prove it, I guess you can't always prove it, right? But trying to at least get that picture in people's minds, well, this group did it, this is what they got, you mm. know, positive stuff, I want some of that. We had a really good um, organic example in our organization where, um, we, we had a, a complex project uh, that we wanted to implement. So we trained up a, a few people in lean and agile techniques to, to help implement that project. So, you know, with Scrum Masters and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and it was a real success and those people loved it. And other people saw that and they said, well, can we be trained in that as well? And organically, they started implementing the training and we got yellow belts and carrying on Susan mm. Belts and some real experts and we we're able to train ourselves then. And we've ended up with 50, 60 people in the organization and most of our projects throughout the organization mm. without any top-down request or anything mm. are now run using agile uh, and lean techniques. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So I think this is a really interesting angle. So um, thanks so much for bring this up this is going to stay with me I think this this idea of um you know selling the success uh, in order to really scale um yeah new ways of working at whatever level I think that's that's a really fascinating angle let's let's move forward um and let's think about the future because um you know no matter where we get to right and I know you know you you know, Sanofi in the UK and Ireland is, you know, it's a big organization is, you know, you've done a lot with it. Um, and you had this 20, however many years it was of, um, you know, of, of life science and pharma background and all the different stories. Um, I'm wondering kind of what's your next level as a leader, right? So like, wh how would you, 
yeah, how would you love to multiply your own impact in the coming months or years? You know, what's, uh, what excites you when you're looking at the future? So I, I have to say, as I, as I said earlier, that uh, I get excited by change, by transformation, by disruption. I think that's, that's interesting. And, and the, there's no doubt there's some really one exciting innovation coming down uh, the pipeline. And because that meeting with the UK government at the moment, they've put life sciences at, um, at the heart of their own transformation post-Brexit. Mm. I think that's, uh, that's really exciting. That, that's getting exciting. So the idea of, of a post-Brexit transformation with, which will allow innovation to come into the country uh, and, and innovative products to be used uh, uh, to treat patients. Uh, I think that is really exciting. So I'd like to hope that I could use my leadership, one, to work in partnership with government institutions and the government itself and bring the organization together to, to help that happen. I think that's it. And, and I have to get, say, I get very stimulated by that external engagement mm. when, when, you know, the organization I'm working for has something that will help support the, the priorities of, a, in this case, a government mm. and, and the institutions. Yeah, well, I remember from you know what we've we've looked at, and and also you know your own you know, representing Snowfy with for Brexit and all these these mm -hmm. things. You know, this whole area of stakeholder engagement, right? I mean, I guess if I can say, you know, the work we did with the team recently, where there was this real shift, I think, in in under self understanding of the team that actually, uh, you know, one of your leadership teams is, you know, has traditionally been seeing themselves as the operational, you know, driving force of the business unit. Whereas actually there was a shift that happened and, oh, actually perhaps our identity is more of an influencing, you know, we're the influencing body and we can, we can push operations down the level a little bit and actually focus on managing this complex stakeholder world. Yeah, I, th I think that was a really important shift. Uh, that time it was in December, wasn't it, where we had that conversation and I think there was a real light bulb moment for us where our, our conversation shifted to that being oh yeah that really is mm. the most important thing this external engagement understanding that mapping out that environment and influencing that environment will be the make or break thing that this team does yeah, it was, it was fascinating because it was like, for me, it was like a perfect team coaching moment, right? Because when you're coaching individuals, they get, you know, you get the idea of what an, a light bulb moment is. But it's really interesting to see it on the team level yeah. because there really was a session of, oh, actually, our future is really tied in with all these stakeholders. And that's where we need to be spending our time. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, was, that was fascinating. Um, so I think we're probably uh, at the... Probably we've pretty covered what we needed to cover today, Hugo. So thanks so much. It's really you know, been a, it's been a great discussion. I you know I enjoy working with you, but I think just stepping back and looking at some of these uh, success formula, especially this one around isolating success and promoting it and scaling it, I think that's been a really helpful insight. So thank you so much. No, thanks, Richard. I've really enjoyed it. If people want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Where should they oh, look you up? LinkedIn is the best. I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, so they can message me through LinkedIn, no problem at all. Okay, perfect. Well, hey, Hugo, many thanks and uh, speak soon, no doubt. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Cheers. Bye-bye.
I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.